Welcome to the Refresh Podcast, a refresh look at life's spiritual applications. I am one of your hosts. My name is Jonas Adams, and I'm joined by Anthony Sanders Yo. and Jeff Sherrill. How are you guys hey. doing today? All right, good, all right. Good, good. good. You guys who are listening have the esteemed privilege of being on our inaugural episode. This is not first annual because we're all pretty educated, and there's no such thing as first annual. This is the inaugural episode of the Refresh Podcast, and we appreciate you guys tuning in. Yeah. And what this one is going to do is going to introduce you guys to your hosts in a special way. We've all come up with five questions for each other, and we will be asking those today. But first, you know, how you guys doing? Doing all right, man. I can't complain. I can't complain. Doing all right. I'm glad to be on here with y'all. This is uh, uh, been something that's been on on us for a little bit here and i finally glad to get it going. Absolutely. I didn't know if we was ever going to get it going, if I'm going <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, what they're not going to tell y'all is that I sent them a text message this morning reminding them that they had not sent out their five questions, one of whom has not sent out questions yet at all, and we're here. Yep, and that one would be Jonas Adams. And uh, I'm located uh, in the um, East Coast right outside of D.C., and uh, Anthony Sanders is in the Midwest. Yeah. In Indiana. Indianapolis. Nap town. And we got Jeff all the way on the West Coast. West so, Coast, West Side. Although I'm from the Midwest, I'm from Indianapolis, uh, but I'm in Bakersfield, California. Look for it on the map. You'll probably find it, but it's not anywhere near LA. <laughs> so that added to the difficulty of getting this thing together, this podcast. Yeah. So it's not just us being irresponsible. <laughs> we're all families with real we all got families and we all got real lives going on mm-hmm. but here we are and we got it together so yeah go ahead and give us a round of applause for that not not y'all i mean whoever's listening oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah man we're gonna get things going and um what he was referring to was that uh with our questions um i never agreed to send out the questions ahead of time i just said that we should come up with questions for each other so when you sent out yours i was like oh well check him out <laughs> I like I'm to not. be prepared. You know <laughs> what, Jonas? I'm not prepared. That is the exact thought I had when Jeff sent that message out to us. Like, where you? I said, well, Jonas never actually said that he was going to send them. He just said to come up with them. Exactly. See, and that's the thing. You know, I've been knowing Jonas since uh, since we was knee high to a grasshopper. Ah. Um, you know, this man for almost forty years, and we ain't but forty ourselves. Yep. Um, yep. And so I know Jonas real well. <laughs> I was not surprised at all by the responses that he sent and that we weren't going to get no questions. <laughs> None of it shocked me. Hey, when he sent his However, questions, I was like, wow, okay, well. <laughs> the opportunity was put out there a week ago, so actually I thought I was lacking. Oh, and no. So what you can expect from me is that I'm going to do it last minute. And now that I know this, Jonas, you are going to do it. Not at all. I'm loving it. It's okay. Oh, no, no, I had my questions done. You guys, just weren't, you guys just weren't getting them. I literally was in the, time. I literally was in the car on the way to the golf course this morning. I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> let me, let me had, do that real quick. I had questions to ask, too. I wasn't going to write them down. Uh, but Jeffrey uh, wanted everything written down. So that's all good. So uh, who would like to uh, fire off their questions first? I'm going first. Boom. That's what I'm talking about, man. <laughs> Tough guy over there. I'm going last. 
All right, I got you. <laughs> dibs. I got these questions, and they're for both of y'all. So, my first question to y'all is Are you now where you thought you would be in 10 years? And it's a combo question, actually. I'm stealing, I'm stealing time. And would you change anything about where you are? Hmm. Better yet, would you change anything about what's happened over this 10 year time frame? How old was I in 20, 10 years ago? Um, man, I was 32, almost 33. I was finishing my master's. Um, I'll say that I'm probably 75% there. Um, and uh, looking back on it, do I think that I do anything different? So for me, I've had so many career changes. It's been crazy. I started at um, in, in retail right out of high school. I flunked out of college three times, literally three times. Uh, when I finally met my wife, I started working for a company in Indianapolis and it was in manufacturing. And my second night on the job, my, my first week there, I didn't even work nights. The second night on the job, the next week that I started working there, I was working there. Uh, I said, I'm not doing this for the rest of my life. So it was a seven year fast forward through that whole process, got my bachelor's degree, moved to California, got my master's um, at Pepperdine um, in marriage and family therapy, um, and then went back home. And so I'm right at about 11, 12 years later. Um, and I can safely say that I probably wouldn't change any steps over the past 10 years. Now, if you said 15, I'd probably say I would have changed the way I approached education. I'm right changing the question that. though. I said 10. I added what I wanted to add. Hmm. Being difficult out the gate. I love it. Out the gate. I love it for being difficult out the gate. Okay, this is Jonas Adams talking here. And um, I think, well, 10 years ago, did I see myself where I'm at now as far as... Um, in regards to family, definitely. I've always said I want to be married with three kids with two boys and a girl. And right uh -huh. now I am married with three kids, two boys and a girl. How about that? Anything outside of that? Absolutely not. <laughs> 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 I did not think that I would ever be living in the area that I am now, um, right outside of DC. Um, I did not think that I would be where I'm at professionally by no stretch of the imagination. Right now, I would say, creatively say that I am in between employment opportunities hmm. on a professional level, but I'm still spinning records as a DJ. I've been doing that almost 20 years. So in that retrospect, to still be DJing, I'm where I thought I would be. Um, but as far as my professional career in radio, I definitely thought I would be uh, still running a radio station by now or, mm -hmm. you know, with a program director job or something to that effect. But radio is such a, um, is, 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 is such a, a industry that has more ups and downs than a little bit. It's just a, a rocky industry to be in like one minute you're on top of the world and the next minute, you know, you're on a, you know, they'll wipe out a thousand people in the company and mm -hmm. you'll be one of them. And yeah. not to mention with this, uh, with the pandemic that we're almost through, but not quite. Um, I was in the news field 
just last year of radio and doing very well. Within a year and a half, I went from a freelance position at Westwood One News all the way up to the top ranking position of executive producer and had just gotten that promotion. 10 days later, they laid off the entire company from Cumulus. Mm -hmm. So professionally, um, I never thought that I would be a stay-at-home dad, which is what I am right now, you know, and DJing. But I don't think that I would change anything either because, you know, who's to say if I was to change something, I wouldn't end up in a, like that would just make everything better. So mm -hmm. I, you know, I accept what comes with it. So I don't think that I would change anything per se. I just think that I just roll with whatever the cars that I'm dealt and make the best of it from there. Solid answers, gentlemen. I I know you want to ask all your questions, Anthony, but he kind of segued into one of mine. So let me ask him one real quick. Go ahead. Um, so when it comes to presenting music and um, all the things you kind of do in the entertainment industry, did you ever, were you ever an artist? You know, we have an affinity for uh, a particular group that's from our generation um, that we all discovered in the production of this show. So we all found out where Wu heads was a, was a great thing. Wu-Tang Clan, my bad. Wu-Tang so, forever. Uh, Wu yeah. Forever. So were you an artist yourself or how did this affinity for, you know, doing the music thing really happen? The short answer is. I just like to party entirely too much. <laughs> Anthony will tell you that I have an unhealthy obsession with partying, not necessarily uh, drinking or anything to that effect. I just like to be in the party. Having a, party, a good time. Yes, a party atmosphere. I just And then that turns into, I like to make sure everyone else has a good time. Hmm. So I didn't know that this was what I was going to be doing. Um, I consider being a DJ, being an artist, but was I ever a musical artist? Absolutely not. I can't play not one instrument. I can't sing not one note well. <laughs> I'm a regular at church and I do everything for my church except the choir. And everybody <laughs> knows that. I'm not joining your choir. No matter how many times they ask and they ask. Nope. <laughs> my profession is talking. <laughs> you know, and I just... Um, but as far as being an artist, you know, and playing an instrument or knowing, you know, the correct notes to sing and things like that. Nope. Nope. I just know how to make people have a good time. So you ain't and never freestyled. That's not being an artist, though. I mean, me taking a couple shots of whatever and freestyling <laughs> with my friends in college does not qualify me saying, yeah, I'm an artist. No, I mean, you know, I. I've painted before. I ain't no art. I ain't no painter. <laughs> well, this question though, Jonas, it's going to turn into a, a, a Jonas interview. Get to know DJ Joe. Uh, <laughs> you are, ex you are excellent. And I'll be, you know, I'll be honest with y'all. I underestimated the skill set that it takes to be a good DJ. And I, I Jonas, and I have had a conversation about, mm -hmm. um, about how I respect the craft that he has um, and I know, so I know you can spin records. You're, you're a master of the wheels of steel. I know. I, I you, know that. appreciate that. Yeah. It's, I mean, you can tear a club down, you can tear a, 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 a gathering down. You can, you know, I know you know how to do that. Yeah. Did you ever get into, uh, production making the beat or are you just, or do you, have you always just stuck with it spinning? 
I've pretty much always just stuck with spinning records. I, I've been in the situations in studios before and kind of tinkered around with some things, but I never really wanted to pursue it that much. Um, I've thought about it. I've played around and pressed a couple buttons and, but mm -hmm. uh, it never held my interest as much as DJing has. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, spinning the records and being in a social setting or making mixes for my friends and things like that. I never really just, I never really wanted to be a producer. Yeah. Usually that translates into producing, but I, I don't know if it's just one of those things where like, I, you know, I always wanted to play the drums. I just didn't have mm -hmm. access to lessons. I'm, mm -hmm. uh, I just never really had the access really to the equipment to play around with it enough to fall in love with it. Like I did DJing. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that I might not, you know, try to produce something in, in the future, but I just, DJing is where it's at for me. Cool. DJing and, and radio, you know, as far as uh, broadcasting and stuff like this and uh, manipulating audio and, you know, stuff like that. That's that's where it's at for me. Mm -hmm. and that's why I ask, because you hear about a lot of these uh, producers and how they really got their start as DJs. Yep. So I wondered if that ever, ever crossed your mind. It's definitely crossed my mind, but not to the point where I thought, I, you know, let me really mess around with some stuff and not enough to invest in the equipment like I was willing to invest in DJ equipment. Yeah. Cause okay. this is not a, um, a cheap hobby to <laughs> <No>. have <laughs> producing or DJing. And I see. I've loved your equipment. I know. <laughs> you know what time it is, I right? Know. This stuff costs a few thousands, man. So you gotta be serious thousands. about it. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't want to invest enough into producing equipment. Mm -hmm. to where it would just sit around and collect dust. If I bought gotcha. some DJ equipment, I knew I was going to mess with it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like All right, back to the questions uh, for both of y'all too. What is a pastime that you want to perfect? And Jeff has a caveat on his because he, if I just left it at that, he'd say golf and that bitty in. But that's mm -hmm. not allowed. Outside of golf for Jeff and Jonas, you got to say outside of DJ. Oh, that's yeah. I ain't gonna say it. I wasn't gonna say it in no way. I mean, because you already perfected that craft anyway. <laughs> Jeff, you up? Yeah, I can't see my face, but I got the stink face because I don't really have pastimes. Um, everything I do is for some form of uh, point in my career. So literally my only outlet is golf. That's my pastime, but the things that I do in between there. So what I did share with y'all is that I'm a, I'm a pastor as well as a marriage and family therapist. So I spend a great deal of time uh, studying and researching and trying to make sure that I'm right at the cutting edge of uh, when it comes to counseling um, things that I can do in terms of helping people that I support um, when it comes to pastoring, um, just making sure that I have everything uh, kind of all my ducks in a row, if you will, for uh, the sake of making sure that I am relevant, um, relatable, as well as relational. So those are three things. Those are alliterations. Um, Anthony and I have a pastor. Our pastor in Indianapolis will be proud of me for my three R's. Um, so. <laughs> But uh, I, I, I guess that's the thing is for me is if I was going to perfect something um, and, and what would it be, it would definitely be making sure that I um, always uh, present whatever I'm doing 
um, at a high level of excellence. So when it comes to counseling, always being able to understand the emotions and the things that um, people are dealing with from an almost firsthand basis, even if I haven't been through it, to have enough knowledge to know what's going on in the environment or society that's uh, triggering uh, people's behaviors. Um, so making sure that I'm well read in that respect um, and then well learned from uh, the standpoint of not just reading the Bible, but how do I apply everything that I see in society um, uh, to a sermon so that people can really pull out of it. So um, I think I would love to perfect my ability to um, do both of those things um, as I'm bivocational, which means that I, I actually have to work. I don't have um, a church that pays my salary. Um, so I have to work, which means I, I want to be excellent at both. I want to make sure that I'm uh, helping the right people with the right things. And I want to do that on a Sunday and Wednesday basis for the church and Monday through Friday for the people that I serve um, in the community. Um, so I think that's my best answer. Jonas, what about you, man? All right. Um, so I can't say DJing? Okay. But you already just said. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> but then you made me start thinking because there's certain things of DJing that I would like to perfect, but that's not going to be my full and final answer because, you know, a lot of there's a lot of different types of scratches that I would like to perfect within uh -huh. DJing. But that's type of stuff that you really can't use in a party setting. So that would just be me tinkering around and maybe recording videos at home and stuff like mm -hmm. that. But that's not the answer. I'm going to say swimming. I can't yeah. swim. And, but here's the kicker. One of my father's day gifts, my wife bought me swimming lessons. How about that? Because we <laughs> plan to go out the country next year and, you know, we've been to beaches and like, you know, with the ocean and whatnot. And I'm always like, I'm not going past my knee where the water at. And I'm standing there and my kids be all out there playing. I'm the guy, I'm the dad that's standing right there with the water. And I'm like, Hey, it's too but, far. But you'll go get them if they can. <laughs> hey, no, you're too far. Come on, come on back. Come on back. Nope. Too far. Cause I can't run out there and get you. If you go to, come on. Yeah. Come on back. I'm that guy. So uh, <laughs> I'm having a vulnerable moment with y'all. Y'all laughing at me. See, this, this is what I was afraid of. Got the doctors over here judging me. I thought this was a safe space. Well, definitely safe. It's safe. <laughs> and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not really judging. I I was gonna say it was safe as long as it's not over yet. <laughs> In the pool, though. In swim parks, I'm all over the place. I'm on the biggest water slides. I'm all over the wave pool and all this stuff. Yeah, I go crazy because I know I could just stand up in that. I was about to say. So I'm good. So if we were ever in a pool, you would never know that I couldn't swim because I'm <laughs> I go crazy in the pool. But ocean, that's where I'm like, hey, <laughs> let's go to Sandcastle. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nothing in the water anyway. <laughs> yeah, what's this water? You've seen water before. It's just salty water. What, you've never been wet before? Yeah. Uh, but, well, you know what we haven't done today? Uh, Sandcastle. Let's uh, sand do that. Sandcastle. Let's do that. That's awesome. <laughs> exactly. That's awesome. I like those answers. So I would like to perfect that and really become a, a great swimmer. That's what I would like to do. So that, you know, we're in the ocean. I can at least let the water get to my waist. Yeah. Before I start panicking. 
with my kids. <laughs> Here we go. I like this honesty. It's about to happen. <laughs> I like this honesty because this is because this next question requires honesty. What is your greatest fear? Go first, Jonas. Oh, really? And you know, and I almost said that. Like, all right, you go first, Jeff. All right. <laughs> um, I really don't know. I guess uh, failing my family. Mm. I know I was really stressed out around this time last year when I got laid off because this was a, a big move for our family. And we moved up here because my wife got the good job. See, in Mississippi, I had all the good jobs. I had, I was executive producer for this huge radio station. I was assistant program director for a small the radio station. And I was one of the best DJs in the state. So I was doing the biggest clubs and doing all of that. So I was breadwinner supreme. We moved here and I was the one without a job. So I was working a bunch of odd jobs and keeping our son at home before he could you know, start school and things mm-hmm. like that. And then we, as soon as I finally got it together and got a, you know, my big job here, the pandemic laid everybody off. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's my fear as far as just failing uh, my family, letting my family down. Um, and what I learned is that um, it's not about having the big job. You know, I've contributed in a multitude of ways right? just by being able to be at home. And I know uh, we, the tagline is a uh, spiritual avocations. And just to bring it into that, you know, you'll never know what God is doing, but he's working. So me being laid off was exactly what my family needed at the time, because that's, you know, we started they had to do virtual learning. Mm-hmm. And my, at the time, my kids were 14, six and one. So who, what were we going to do if I didn't get laid off? And I'm not the type of person that would have willingly left my job. <laughs> <laughs> so God knew that he had to sit me down in order for my family to survive. And that's kind of heavy. And we were. And we have made it. We not one bill has cut off, not one meal has been missed, and the meals have not uh, have not gotten smaller. Mm. You know, like we haven't even had to cut off something as small as a Netflix. You know, like even those little mm-hmm. subscriptions and title. You know, those type of luxuries haven't even had to had to leave. So, as frustrating as it was, when I look at it in the grand scheme of things, you know, it was. It, it had to happen, but I was still in fear that, you know, without me having this big job, everything was going to crumble and goals I had set were not going to be met. But that's when God steps in and tells you that, look, this, this is not your plan. Like, you know, I get, you know, there's some stuff that he does that is just going to work out in the long run. And that's exactly what's happening. But if I have to name a fear, that's what it is. That's heavy too. Cause, um, you think about how society has basically set up what it means to be um, a contributing man of the house or a leader of the house. And right. a lot of, so much of it is, is um, being the primary breadwinner or um, bringing any kind of bread home. Right. And we, we fail, I think as a society 
and we'll probably get into this in later podcasts, but not even probably, I know we will. Mm-hmm. We fail somewhat as a society by making it, uh, making family contributions, primarily financial from a quote unquote masculinity standpoint. Right. Right. Absolutely. So that's, 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 that's exactly pretty, what it is. I had to unlearn that, Yeah. you know, and still in, the, I'm still in the process of unlearning that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jeff. I'm perfect. Oh, there's a lie. Well, I, I tried. I was, waiting, I was waiting for the lie to come through. <laughs> no, that's that. Truthfully, that's that's actually my fear, and it it kind of coincides with what Jonas was saying. But I think for me, my fear is that I'll be found out to be a fraud, um, and that will cause my family and you know everybody I know to have to experience some form of a. Uh, discouragement or even, you know, losing some faith, not in me, but in the things that I profess and believe in. So, um, you know, I I have a strong affinity to try and do everything right the first time, um, which is probably a huge mistake um, because that's not possible. So for me, I'm looking at myself on a daily basis, telling myself it's okay to take risks and do what I need to do. And if I fail, I fail. Um, but I don't want to also be seen in the process of failing as a fraud. Um, so, you know, again, I'm talking more about my weaknesses than anything, um, because I truthfully, um, I, I kind of protect myself from that way. And this is my moment of vulnerability is that I, I try to do everything right the first time without letting people down, having, having a strong issue with um, recognizing how much I try to people please. Um, and so, um, you know, if I'm found out on any level that something that I said isn't um, how I live, man, that scares the bejesus out of me. I mean, I promise you, that's the one thing that I, 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 do the most. And I know it's ridiculous because I know I'm not going to be perfect. Um, I got a, my wife is a great supporter. It sounds like Jonas has got a great supporting wife. I know Alicia is um, for you, Anthony. And so um, I don't have to worry about, you know, being a fraud. I know that I'm genuine in everything that I do, but I'm always questioning whether or not people um, see me for that um, genuineness, if that's a word. And so, um, you know, I, I, I'm all, I fear being uh, fake. I really do because I know for a fact, there are days when I wake up and I'm looking like, don't want to do this pastor stuff. Um, There's a whole other word I was going to use just now. I don't want to deal with other people's stuff. I got enough stuff on my own plate. And to me, that's fraudulent. And if people knew that I thought that way, I know that it would just, I mean, I'd be so scared because I wouldn't know how to respond to it. I wouldn't know how to address that truth. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't want to let people down by that one day that I have where I don't feel like doing it. I'm faking it. And someone finds out like you were not real that day. I'm like, uh, what, uh, what are you talking about? I, I was, I was fine. I mean, you know, I hope you did not, you know, that whole situation. Well, <laughs> you, you left smiling. That, that's what my job is, right? Whether I was preaching or I was counseling, you left smiling. I did my job. Don't matter whether I was genuine. 
Um, but the truth is that that's not the case. So um, I'm always trying to make sure. And, and, and it's, it's crazy because it's not possible. It's not realistic. It's not even a rational thing uh, for for someone that's got a master's in clinical psychology. <laughs> it's not rational to sit here and think you're going to always be genuine. It's yeah. just not. But that's I think, that's uh, I think uh, since I'm the only one here that's not a pastor, on this podcast, nope, nope. I think it's nope. unfair. There's only one pastor on this podcast. Oh, oh I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Jonas, don't apologize. He's not admitting his truth. Right. Nah, keep going. His truth. Jonas, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. It's 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 sad that people forget that you know um, that pastors, reverends, ministers are not perfect, so they mm. judge them. Oh, you know, extra hard and forget that they're human beings and they're not perfect either. You know, like, so is that's kind of messed up. That's that we, we're talking about society thing again mm-hmm. and the way society uh, views people and views things. And it's just a messed up feeling that you feel like you have to be perfect all the time. And I, I throw my alone. hands up and surrender and start crying. <laughs> real Kojic up in here. <laughs> All right. I got two more questions for y'all. All right. Next one's much lighter than the last two I asked. I didn't ask uh, some really deep questions, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but w- what is one thing that you are able to do that you've never done that you want to do? Yeah, I read that and I said, I'm going to need more clarification on that question. <laughs> <laughs> so it's something that you know you can do and you've always wanted to do it but you've never done it. Mm, something that we wanted to do. But that you know, know you can we, do. We know that we can do it. We just haven't done it yet. You just haven't done it yet. I, man, I want to drive a very, very, very expensive car at high rates of speed. Can I be honest? I have a speed issue. I used to own a car that was just amazing. Uh, me and Anthony used to talk about German engineering in our vehicles, and we used, I just loved driving that expensive car. But I've never driven like a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or a Bugatti or a Pagani. None of those. I would love to drive like a Pagani, like on the Autobahn, but I don't have to go to the Autobahn. I'll do it on a 405 if there's enough space. Okay. So if that, <laughs> is there ever that? Huh? Is there ever enough space on the 405? There is, but it's not at a convenient time of day. So okay. there's that. But yeah, man, I would love to. Am I am I wrong? I mean, I've ridden in a lot of like luxury cars, but man, I would love to like drive a, a Pagani or or a Bugatti, man, and like just go. Like, let me just see what this joint will do. Um, now I don't have the means in terms because I, I cannot afford a multi-million dollar car. Um, <laughs> but I I know that I can drive, so there's my can. I can drive a, a, a car that is not automatic. I can drive a manual transmission, so I can actually get with it if I could have yeah, access to the car. Mm. So there you go. There you go. All right. That's a it's, it's an interesting answer. Very interesting. I like it too. I like that answer. Yeah, jo- Jonas. But we can't re- we can't re- repeat answers. I uh, mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. And I definitely want to drive. I mean, unless you, if you say 
could we race in those cars? Then it's two different questions. Two, two mm. answers, different answers. I want to skydive. Mm. I did an indoor skydiving. I loved it. It was pretty good. And um, yeah, I want to do it. I can do it. I don't know if it's going to happen. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely want to jump out of plane. Just just because I've heard so much about, not, I'm not like a thrill seeker to anything of that extent, but I've heard like once you release that parachute, the view, like that's the part. Okay. You know, that I want, you know, never mind the free falling part where, you know, you really jumping out that thing. Like once mm-hmm. you pull that chute, mm-hmm. I've heard like, that's one of the most, that's one of the, like the best feelings ever just floating down to the ground. I think that's one of those uh, bucket list type of things that I would like to do for that feeling. I'm with that. I like that. So that you can, you've really, you know, like I've heard that it's like life changing. I'm with that. I'm with Jeff, that. Jeff is adamantly disagreeing with you. <laughs> Listen, I traveled to West Africa on a mission trip with my brother and he has made me walk across bridges in the rainforest that are some 200 to 300 feet off the ground. And he's just tromping along like it ain't nothing. <laughs> and I'm in that uh, skid a scooting, boy. Not like skid a scooting. I ain't even scooting, bro. It's like, <laughs> like a stutter, stutter step, bro. <laughs> Scared oh. out of my mind. So if we go back to fears, I'm also afraid of heights, but. That's I'm such a great not, experience. I am not with the jump out, jump out of a perfect one of them uh, Indian of Indian. I'll do Indiana that Jones bridges. One of them Indiana Jones rope bridges. Was it one that's of exact, those? That's exactly that's what it is. Exactly what it was. Okay, I was joking. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and he's exaggerating. It's only 275 feet. He said 200, 300 feet. I don't think that was an exaggeration at all. He exaggerated 15 feet. Um, <laughs> all right, that's a decent roundup. We all have had enough math classes to know that you can pretty much round up 275 to 300. Uh, Bruh. I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> estimated between two and 300. That was safe. I'm, I'm Jeff, I'm with you on this one. That was pretty Thank decent you. estimation. I don't like where it's, it's going. It, 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 it's, uh, not, <laughs> it's not that I'm knocking your, your parachute ride, enjoy that, take great pictures. I'll be like, oh, that's nice, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it with you. Um, and Anthony ruined it for me when he was on the last bridge and decided he wanted to see if it could swing like a, you know, swing set while I'm still on the bridge. No, I wanted to see if it could hold the weight that they said it could hold. They said it could, each bridge could hold the weight of two to four elephants. I am not the size of an elephant. So I figured a little hop wouldn't do anything. I ain't say nothing about the elephants jumping. He was doing this. Than me. <laughs> he was doing the 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 uh, American thing. I'm gonna say it that way. Wow. I don't know. I was just wanted to make sure that it could do what it said it could do. But why they own? Why y'all own the bridge though? It wasn't just us. It was like several people. It, you know what? <laughs> All right. That's even worse. All right. He so, said that, that made it better. But since you brought up Africa, that makes me add to my answer. Definitely want to go to Africa. Yeah, we'll take well, that. I want happen. to do that. I can do that. Yeah. I haven't done yet. That's there. The it is. There it is. And that's that can happen. Trip that's again. perfect. That's perfect. Going on one of trips. We're gonna talk. We'll we'll talk offline. Right. <laughs> um, so now the my last question for y'all two is: okay. uh, 
how do you want to be remembered? What is the legacy you're looking to leave Jonas Adams and Jeffrey Sherrill? I think he went first last time I'll go. Just as um, a great husband, a great father, a God-fearing man, and somebody who just put together some of the, the best celebrations that people experienced. And what I mean by that is, you know, DJing to me is more than just playing some records and getting paid for it. When people go to a party or a function or a celebration that requires a DJ, you know, and being able to give them that feeling that helps them escape, you know, the, the mundaneness, if that's a word, of life, I take it seriously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, well, I'll say I don't take it lightly. It's not that I'm all serious and all business about it, but I don't take that responsibility lightly. So I definitely want to be remembered as somebody who gave people some of the best celebrations that they had. Because when you look back on things, you know, you want to remember some of those like big, great, you know, momentous occasions of life. And I want people when they remember, oh man, you remember that party that that in that Jonas gave us that thing that he DJ, man, it was that was one of the best times ever. That's my that's my thing. I'm with that. Because we all been to some whack parties before. So I want to be remembered as somebody who gave us who gave the people some of their best times. So I'm with that. Well, I'll tell you what, so far so good, man. <laughs> Because, yeah, I'm rocking and rolling so far. Man, because this uh that party you did for me for my 35th. Man. That, st- that still gets talked about by people who don't even know you. <laughs> <laughs> we had an awesome time, man. We really man, did. That was a really good time. Yeah. Whatever they talk about it, it always ends with who's that DJ you had <laughs> every single time. Like, That's my boy. Grew That's up with us. Yep. Oh man. Honestly, you got some business from that party too, yeah, right? I did, man. Look, man, yeah, Midwest we, business. Absolutely. That's, but you know what? It also shows that Anthony has, has met some great people up there too. Cause a lot of times when you go into a whack party, it ain't always DJ's fault. Sometimes it is. This is real. Sometimes y'all just, sometimes not y'all in particular, but sometimes you people out there are just whack, man. And, <laughs> <laughs> and like, that's just what I, I, I say that with my whole chest. Yeah. Like it's, I'm, every DJ has a story like, man, I was giving them everything I got, man. They was just whack. Like, Hey, it just is what it is sometimes, but uh, just an, yeah, just an off crowd. But his Anthony's people he had in that party was the exact opposite of that. Man, everybody in there was fantastic, and they were ready to party. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, we finna go all the way, all the way. We going all the way in." We went in it, too. The problem for most of us was that we couldn't get off the dance floor. That yeah. was a big deal. <laughs> right? Like the only chance we got to get off the dance floor, you had to take a, a break or something. He was like, yo, I got to sit down. And he was like, well, thank you, because we need to sit down too. Man, it was an amazing night, man. And to have all of our brothers there, and it yeah. was just like community, community, community. Man, that was huge. I loved it, man. I, we, we'll do that again for sure. That's one of the greatest compliments. Like, oh man, I kept trying to go to the bathroom. I kept trying to go to the bar and I kept running back to the floor. That's like one of the the best compliments you could ever get. You hit every 1990s banger that we knew for a good clip. I don't even know how long it was, (laughs) but that set lasted for 
ever. That was and pretty we much was the like, whole party. I was about to say that the party was three hours, three, four yeah. hours. That's about that's about I what pretty he did. much and stayed in that view. I pretty much stayed in that mode the whole time because I kind of yeah. knew where I, what I was dealing with. Once I kind of looked at everybody, I was like, yeah. Let's do this. Like, yeah, I as already soon had as, that he, clip as soon as I heard this beat drop, doom, 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 yeah. doom, doom. Got I was like, oh, we got this busy. Is it. We're about to get silly. Yep. Little back that, back that thing up is about to happen. So it was mm-hmm. crazy. Oh, man. Yeah, that yeah. was dope. I, I, I don't know. I'm segueing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what I want to be remembered for. I've done a ton of stuff. Um, and I, I look at, the things that I've done and the greatest impact I think that I've had in my life has been at home. Um, and so if people found out about that, that would be great, but I would love for my wife and my kids to, if, at, at, you know, at the day they're standing over my ashes, by the way, Anthony, when you preach my funeral, just let them know that Jeff said, if there's a body in here, he can't preach. I can't <laughs> preach. That's what you need to know. I'm on it. Uh, but literally, um, when they're they're standing and, and celebrating my life, if no one knew anything about my home life but my family, that would be cool with me. Um, and so I would love for my family to know that they were loved, that they were cherished, and that I didn't want to leave. Like that mm-hmm. would be what I would want to be known for. I want them to know that. Um, everybody else, you know, Family wise, yet probably the same things, but everybody else, I I don't necessarily have that same desire anymore. Um, I was thinking about some of these questions before we started, um, and I I was surprised at how much you learn about yourself after you turn 40. Um, Yes, sir. So, and how fast you learn stuff about yourself after 40. It's like there are things you recognize, like you wake up the next one morning and you're like, dang how did I not notice about me? Um, and so I'm, I'm in that space right now where I have those types of experiences every two to three months or sometimes every two to three weeks. And, um, I don't think that there's one thing that I could safely say I want to be known as. I think the most important thing for me is literally just being able to say to my family, um, I didn't want to leave. I cherished you and I loved you. And, and let my family know that. And then if everybody else found out about it, cool. But, you know, I, I'm even, even with my aspirations to, to lead a large church one day, I, I literally do not want to be known for leading a large church. That's not important to me. Oh man. That's dope. Thank y'all for entertaining my questions. That's some really good answers to it. Uh, good questions. People, the people got to know y'all real well. So good questions. Who's up next? Um, Jeff. Oh, oh, Jeff. All right, let me go to my questions. So I'm a, I, I asked, I wrote questions for each of y'all. Um, one of the reasons why I wrote questions for each of them is because Anthony and Jonas grew up together. So a lot of the questions that they can ask each other, they're going to know the answers to. A lot of the questions I'm going to ask Anthony, I may already know the answer to. So Anthony, Jonas is going to get a totally different set of questions because, you know, we, we do have history, but it's not a lot of history. So right. I'm actually getting to know Jonas through this whole process as well, which I love. Um, I was told to be prepared with the 
scripture too. So let me just throw that in there real quick um, because one of the things that this podcast is um, designed to do is really show the community and the, the relationship of black men and that it's actually cool to have healthy relationships, especially at the age where we are, where we still got young families, but they're old, you know, they're older families. I'm, I've launched one. I've got one that's going into high school. Um, Anthony's got his children, Jonas, you've mentioned yours. So, um, it, you know, a lot of men miss and lose the relationship thing when it comes to being with other men, especially black men, uh, about this time in their life because they get really entrenched in their careers. So I love that we're doing this. Um, and Proverbs 17 and 17 says a friend loves at all times mm -hmm. and a brother is born for adversity. Um, and essentially without me getting into any type of dialect about the sermon or anything like that, it literally just simply means that, you know, a friend is someone that's there for you. And then a brother is born for adversity. So a friendship should, if it's a, a quality relationship, uh, develop into a brotherhood. And the brotherhood is set to help you through some of those toughest situations. So as we continue to go through this podcast and as we do episodes moving forward, we're going to talk about subject matter that's um, absolutely um, important for us, for where we are in society today, as well as where we are um, wanting to see ourselves as African. American men, black men, um, as well as um, the community at large as how we want to do life and how we want to see things come to pass. So we're not going to just talk about fun stuff. We're going to talk about some things that have uh, a little bit of controversy that surrounds it. And I think that's important because we do want to do a refreshed look. We want to see a refreshed look on how we apply spiritual application to where we are in society today. So I, that's my little segue. But let me hit you with these questions. Jonas, can I start with you? Um, I know you've talked a lot, but let me start with you because I know Anthony's answers a little bit. Um, so I just did that. Because I bet you, you don't. I, I bet you I do. And I'm a watch. You're going to watch. OK, um, but I, I already asked you one of them. So it's actually cut yeah. down to four. And you guys both have um, the same fifth question. So we'll ask that one together at the end. But um, so talk to me about crisis. Um, have you experienced a crisis in um, point in your life and where did that lead you? And you already talked about the job and whatnot. Um, and if that's the one, then that's great. Um, but if there's another one, uh, I'd love to hear about, you know, how you kind of what crisis you dealt with. And you don't have to go into specifics, but more importantly, how you came out of that and where it led you. I think that is the biggest crisis I've ever had to uh, the one I was um, talking about earlier as far as uh, being laid off. Um, is, is, I'm, I'm could say that God has really protected me, um, as far as major life crisis and things I see other people going through. Um, I'm one of those people to where things, I always kind of know that things are going to work out. And then I kind of, you know, with God's help, make them work out. Uh, <laughs> but when this one <laughs> happened last year, cause even with moving up here, I was never there was never any doubt in my mind that I was going to get it together. You know, like I wasn't scared to leave my multiple positions and things that I was doing. Cause I was, I, to me, I had reached a plateau in Mississippi. That's uh, where I was living at before we lived here right outside of DC. And um, I was top rank at every station that I was at. You know, I was one of the top DJs in the state. Like I had reached a, a ceiling as far as pay, I had reached the ceiling as just professionally and anything else that I wanted to do. 
And when my wife said, hey, I'm ready, like, I think I'm ready to see what was offered, to see what's going on outside of the state. I was like, are you sure? It was, wasn't any fear in my mind that, you know, if she found something first, wherever she found something first that I was ready to go. And then when we got here, you know, I worked a bunch of side jobs, a bunch of little jobs. I worked at Champ Sports in the mall. I worked, uh, I did fundraising for a public radio station, uh, knocking on doors. Um, I did a couple other things and whatnot, you know, and then the whole time I was DJing, I really hit the ground running as far as the DJ scene. So nothing shook my world up like that layoff I experienced last year. So I probably say that's the biggest crisis that I've ever had to face because I went from literally just, we was just waiting on the paperwork to dry on my promotion and I was about to start making 70K to making nothing. Mm -hmm. So with that, when I say it, it just knocked my whole world upside down. So as far as answering, how did I deal with it? A lot of heavy prayer. (laughs) <laughs> a lot of heavy prayer, a lot of uh, talking to my pastor here in Alexandria, a lot of um, questioning God and why did this happen and things like that. And, uh, you know, I don't say that like that's I know that's not something that you're supposed to do, but I definitely did. You know, I definitely questioned God heavily like what I, I tied. I'm, I'm a regular at church. I'm doing right by my wife. I'm doing right by my kids. Why did this happen? Mm-hmm. I asked those questions a ton of times. And uh, even knowing the answer, like I knew once my kids started virtual school that there was nothing that, you know, there's no way that I could not be home or at least me or my wife be home. I think I was more so questioning why it had to be me mm-hmm. that got laid off in such a fashion after I struggled so much to try to find something in my field that I actually liked doing that I could see myself retiring from. When Mm -hmm. I got there in that company, I worked every shift that they had, uh, 10 p.m. to six in the morning, producing uh, very left-wing political shows. (laughs) 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 I mean, not left-wing, very right-wing, I'm sorry. I get the whole, but very Mm politic-heavy, right-wing conservative shows that I produced and engineered with no problem. I'm talking about people calling in, blaming black people for everything. Mm. Um, And this was, you know, heavy when Trump was, you know, the main topic on the news every day. I had to cover every press conference he did. Mm. I had, uh, I did a bunch of those different types of shifts, overnight shifts, producing different radio shows and whatnot. And we just, and did them better than everybody in the building. Caught Mm. on quicker, I'm producing shows that other people in the building couldn't produce because they couldn't get the hang of it. Mm-hmm. I learned those shows and mastered them in such a short amount of time. It just kept throwing more opportunities at me. And to have that snatched away after I worked so hard to climb the ladder as quick as I did, and they were rewarding me for it. I was continuously getting raises, continuously getting promotions. And then for it to just be gone, mm-hmm. I was like, what is going on? Like I was, I'm doing, I thought this was the job that I prayed for. I thought this was the job that I was being patient for. Wow. So, but at, you know, you just don't know what the world is going to hand you. So when the the world turned upside down, you know, it was way more important for me to be in this house 
with my son in middle school, my son in first grade, and my baby girl who is one years old. Mm-hmm. You know, while my wife went to work, and even she had to uh, adjust because she they had broke up her schedule. She had to work from home and was only going to to the actual office like maybe two or three days out the week. So that's a struggle in itself, you know, with me just at home and in her sporadically at home and she working from home and just having to balance that whole thing. So that was and is my crisis. And as far as just how I handle it, prayer, (laughs) I don't have a better answer than that. So I don't think you have to have a better answer than that, man. You said so much in that, man. I wish I could take the time to, as they say, unpack it. That's Mm -hmm. Anthony's favorite term for meetings. We're not doing that. Yeah, man. I do want to go. I want to grab that whole why God piece Um, as a pastor and as a therapist. I tend to always tell people if you're not questioning your authority, then you're not in a position where you want to grow. So I appreciate that you are vulnerable enough to say, yo, I asked God why, because while God is sovereign, God also is the God that loves you enough to tell you, hey, man. This is why I'm doing it. Or you can't see that right now. But if you mm-hmm. just keep walking, I mean, what did he say to Abraham? Abraham, you want to get you really want to have a great name, then get out your dad's house. Go to a place I'm going to show you. Abraham didn't ask questions. He just left. So, you know, yes. you know, and then once he did get to the place where God wasn't showing up, he did ask God why. He's like, look, how are you going to promise me a, a generation of people, a, a nation of people? And my wife can't get pregnant and I'm old and all of this stuff. So he, he questioned God. So if Abraham could, I, I think you should be able to, too. Anyway, that's, that's that. Yeah. I don't want I, I could preach if I wanted to on that, but that's, that's cool. I just uh, like to say, whenever that stuff comes up, it's always okay to ask the question. You just have to be ready to receive the answer. Right. Exactly. You, you can ask, God is not, I've learned this over my life. God is not one that, as far as my relationship goes, he's never been like, you don't, you cannot ask me a question. We've come up with that, but I don't remember seeing that anywhere in the book. Mm. And God, but God has answered question time and time again. We just got to be ready for the answer. If you're not ready for the answer, don't ask the question. Mm. Or, word see y'all um, he says he's not a preacher he says he's not say a pastor he says not. he's not a pastor but yeah, that was very he's not pastoral. a pastor he was, he was very he was very that was very specific. pastoral uh-huh. um let me ask you a a, a question that's the um uh, a fun question for you because i want to i want i want the dirt i want the dirt <laughs> you and anthony got all of these years of history as brothers i want to know Tell me something about when y'all was growing up and I don't want no flowery, nothing. I want you to tell me about something that happened that basically got y'all both a butt whooping. I want I thought to about, I thought about five different stories. <laughs> By the time you finish that question, like, this question ain't for me. This question for Jonas. There is no, you can, one. you can chime in for sure. This is a, 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 a bilingual question. All right. This this is not one, bilingual. There is one story that tops every other story that I will not go into unless <laughs> he goes into it first. But uh it's not there's not really any story that I can say that got us a butt that would get us a butt whooping. See, here's the thing, man. Anthony has always been tip top with everything that he has ever done. 
it's usually me wanting to party <laughs> that, you know, not, I won't say I'll drag him down, but never with he, like, I'm the person that's like, Hey, Anthony, let's go do this thing. Right. You know, like this, this party, you know, let's go over here and you know, hang out <laughs> over here, you know, that he'll come along with me. But man, <laughs> the only one that I could really think of is when, um, we were, um, in this, in this, in this program called the Botillion, right? So we were hanging around with our boy, Jeff Adams. And we were literally doing nothing. It was me, Anthony, Jeff, and our homegirl, Darla. And if you know anything about the Botillion, uh, program you know you have bows and bells so darla was the bell of jeff and we really were just hanging out now we were where jeff lives is like 45 minutes from our house Mm -hmm. so we're hanging out and we you know every black kid know that you got to check in with your parents i believe i checked in with my mother but anthony did not check in with his parents (laughs) I checked in with his mother also. He checked in with my mother, which is usually good, which is usually okay. And we were just like hanging out at Jeff house, the four of us and just, you know, cracking jokes and watching TV and not doing a lick of nothing. And we did, I don't even know why we spent a night at, at Jeff's house. Like we just was literally doing nothing and just kind of fell asleep and just didn't want to get back on the road. Cause it was like two, three in the morning and we weren't going back on the road. Yeah, driving through Homewood Flossmore, no two, three o'clock in the morning. Right, absolutely not. Heavy police out that area, and just us being young and black is enough. Man. Everybody knows what we're talking about. So we get up in the morning, and this is before cell phones. This was we were seniors in high school. This is before cell phones. This is still in the age of answering machines. And Anthony's parents are worried sick. Who did we talk to that morning? Your and mother. We talked to my mother. She called, she called Jeff's house because she knew yeah. where we were. So she called Jeff's house and was like, uh, Anthony's mom is looking for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> for y'all. <laughs> looking for y'all. Because it got to the point where Anthony's dad was like checking the police scanners and heard like an accident with like three teens. And mm-hmm. of course, that's us. <laughs> right. You're a worried parent. It's got to be us. And uh, we get back. I think you called your. Did you call your parents then? Yes. And what what <laughs> happened from there? So I call I called my folks and um, I said I told them where we were, and all I all I was told was you need to get home. So and we did that. We got, we got in the car <laughs> immediately. Yeah. Early Sunday morning. Was that Sunday morning or Saturday Sunday morning? It was a Sunday morning. Yeah, early on a Sunday morning. We, Jeff takes us. No, back. it was a sat- it was a Saturday. It was a Friday okay. going to Saturday. Okay, and they take we take Anthony back home. I don't know what his mother because they were both like outside, like waiting on Anthony. I don't know what Miss <laughs> Monica said to Anthony as he walked into the house, but she came over to the car, and I was like, "Oh God!" Me and Jeff sitting there in the car, right? And when she started walking towards us, I was like, "This is it!" Like you know, we did it. <laughs> I just. I didn't know she had the pistol on her. I didn't know she had a knife on her. I didn't know. I just knew we was dead. And she just like, I just want to look y'all both in the eyes. So when I kill y'all, I can always remember y'all face and just told us to get out of there. And we just, and we left. We, we, we didn't apologize. We didn't get a chance to say a word. We just, we just rolled off. She just told us to get out of there. <laughs> and we just prayed for Anthony's safety. 
Here I am. And here he is. He's still with us, everybody. He's still with us. Anthony, I, I, oh, man. It, uh, what happened? <laughs> the, the short answer is I made it. <laughs> so glad I made it. It's a classic case of not checking in because we really didn't do anything. We didn't. So, I mean, that that's exactly right, Jonas. Everything Jonas said was absolutely right. We... I checked in with his mom because, and the reason I checked in with his mom, because our parents, one of the reasons Jonas and I are so close because our parents were tight. Um, And that, you know, honestly, that's something that's missing in the community these days, but um, our parents were super tight and my mom and his mom, whenever me and Jonas was hanging out, they were hanging out. Yep. Um, And so I knew that night that Jonas and my mom were going to hang out together. So I, so I figured my mom would figure it out. Jonas's mom reminded me that it wasn't her job to let my mother know where I was. She did it in a very Billy sort of way. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah, you told me, but, and Jonas told me where y'all were, but he still needs to talk to his own parents. She said, I'm not your mother. I was like, I mean, I mean, there's no argument against that. So, Anyway, I was I was sitting in the back seat. I remember Jeff had the two door, and I was sitting in the back seat. And y'all had the reason y'all got caught up. <laughs> my mom could make it over to the car because I had to get out the back seat. So you had to get out the car to let me out. <laughs> and if you're asking, well, what did Anthony's mother say to him on the way? She said, "I'll be with you in a minute." And I just kept on walking. <laughs> mm. She uh, was sitting on the porch and <laughs> she saw us pull up, stop doing what she was doing. And as I'm getting out the car, she started making her way too. said, I'll be with you in a minute. And we had a long conversation. And don't assume that the conversation was a two-way street, neither. It was a singular Singular probably, direction. Probably one of them. Probably one of them conversations where they're asking you questions, but you can't answer them. When you're trying stupid. to answer, I wasn't it's stupid like, enough to try to answer. Yeah, if you were to try to answer, <laughs> I was like, "Don't talk to me when I'm talking to you." Like, one of them, exactly like, right. Hey, what you ask me? Shut up. You know, when I'm hilarious. The benefit, the benefit of being uh, yeah. the youngest is you learn some things, but you don't learn it all. Yeah, don't learn them all. You don't learn them all. Yo, that's that's funny. That's a great story, man. I love I love that y'all have that memory and so many more. Um, I don't have uh, guys that I grew up with. I moved to Indianapolis right between middle school and high school. And so I lost connection with everybody I had grown up with. And I was trying to fit into a group that had been growing up together. Right. there really wasn't space for a new guy. Um, plus I wasn't really, I wasn't really up on game about, you know, a more urban culture. I came from Terre Haute, Indiana. Um, look up Indiana state university. You're going to see a guy named Larry bird. That's where he went to school. That's what Indiana Terre Haute's known for is Indiana state university. The only way I know Terre Haute is they said it in a Christmas story. I didn't yes, realize they did. Larry Bird was was there. I was I born there. Wow. 
I was born there. So it's a hair stretched all the way back to Terrell Holt. Bruh. <laughs> Bruh. That's real. That's real. So that's, I, I love that. So um, I, I do have boys from high school and whatnot, but I, I still don't have, you know, 40 years with anybody besides my brother. So mm-hmm. that's cool. All right. Let me ask this hey, uh, real quick. Let me ask quick. this. Funny huh? that you, real quick, funny that you mentioned that, you know, um, like your child was kind of split up like that because see, I started school. My whole school career started with Anthony and a couple others like since three years old in preschool, Mm -hmm. but I stopped going to that school in the fifth grade. Mm -hmm. So it was a few years when me and Anthony lost connection too, even though like we used to go to the same church, uh, main Baptist. But then I, we, my family stopped going to that church too. Not for any particular reason we just did. And then like, and later on in high school, we reconnected. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of gap, but not really like it, it didn't make any difference. Once we started going back to that church, um, all of us reconnected like we never even left. That's dope. You know, like there maybe like just like Legit. a few years of middle school that we were disconnected. Other than that, everything was just like we ain't never even left each other. That's dope. That's dope. Yep. Like I and I'll put it, this is how close we are. Anthony taught me how to tie a tie. Mm hmm. I grew up in a single parent household, just, you know, my mom, he taught me how to tie a tie at 16 when we mm-hmm. were in the, uh, the Botillion program. I think we were hosts that year. Our yeah, junior year. we were hosts that year. And we had to get dressed up like for this Alpha Light seminars, like what, once a month? Yep. And yeah, he, that's, he taught me how to tie a tie. I ain't even know. That's dope. That's dope. See, Anthony, that nine months difference that he egg, nags on you about, that's real. <laughs> that's real. Because <laughs> hey, uh, like, it's only five, but it, you know it doesn't really matter. Oh, man. That's between y'all. I, I already know where I, I stand. Uh, it up to eleven months. <laughs> <laughs> if, wow. Seems how business around in. It's a new math. <laughs> seems how y'all in the clapping mood. Right. Um, <laughs> let's ask this next question. <laughs> um, what about your faith in God is the most refreshing? Uh, just knowing that I don't have to figure everything out on my own. Um, just really when I get myself too worried about things, you know, what they say, you're just supposed to like put your problem, drop your problems off with God and and trust the process. I think that's, you know, the most refreshing thing, knowing that, you know, as men and as fathers and as husbands, we try to have all the answers. Mm-hmm. And we really don't have to. You know, really what you're supposed to do is pray on it, drop it off with God and leave it alone. And that's probably the most refreshing thing. Uh, that That's it. Really. That's it. Got you. Got you. And then you just look like you chomping at the bit to answer that question. I'm going to let you answer that one and eliminate one of the questions I already asked on other ones he like no i don't right right wait <laughs> no, my, my, my relationship okay. with god ain't refreshing who told you that <laughs> no, i'm trying not to uh steal jonas's answer because that was really an awesome answer um it's the the fact that um that no matter what I say, no matter what I do, no matter how I behave right or wrong, he still loves me. Mm. Like his, his love is not contingent on, um, on my behavior. 
or the words that I say or anything. His love is there. It's eternal. And I know that it doesn't as a try not to get preachy on nobody, but as the Bible tells us, we that doesn't give us license to just be reckless. Right. I can't just be out here doing whatever I want to do and and uh, saying whatever I want to say and and not following the instructions that have been given. But I can know that if I do win, not if when I do make my mistakes, um, he's still he's still loving me. And in spite of everything that I am. So that's that's what refreshes me. Um, on a day on the daily, if we being honest. You said I had a good answer, man. <laughs> yeah, both have good answers. I think y'all missed how I threw the name of title of the Oh, uh, I didn't miss that at all. Oh no. I'm just saying, you know, oh, no. I didn't miss it that at all. Missed. Well, I'll be honest, I didn't know I did it. Anyway, um, <laughs> I did. that's why I said on the daily, so you missed it. <laughs> nah um, Quit instigating Jonas Because I Right Because I asked both y'all I'll answer it too Just because it's I think it's 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 a key to the show For me The most refreshing part Is everything that you both said And I love to take it To this step further Is that he's actually Interested in me Yeah that is so crazy to me. That's mm-hmm. the thing that I'm trying to convey through my preaching and my counseling is that God is genuinely interested in me. I spent a lot of time in my life where I was trying to get people to be interested in me. It didn't really work out so well in a lot of situations, but the fact that I don't have to impress God and he's still interested in me mm. makes me just, I man, I mean, literally um, as a grown man, I could probably shed some tears over that thought because that literally is the most refreshing thing is God actually wants to know what's going on in my life, even though he knows, like mm-hmm. he wants to hear about my day, even though he knows, like, I don't want to get too preachy, but that's like, that's the big deal for me. It's like, God is that that's, that's, that's dope for me. All right. All right. I'm, let me, let me, let me get to Anthony's questions. Jonas, you got questions too. I'm going to ask two questions to Anthony. Cause like I said, I know, probably some of these answers um and i think i'm gonna ask question one and i'm gonna ask uh question two and then question five i think we should all answer at the end um all right so uh, let me start with question one anthony greatest personal accomplishments outside of your family and career um the two things that you just said outside of are so interconnected into everything I would consider. I won't say everything. Most things I would consider an accomplishment. Um, Cause really everything outside of that is kind of just fluff. But um, so, so probably leading a uh, mission trip. And it's hard to it's hard to actually list that because it does still connect to what my work is. But um, leading a mission trip to Africa, bringing um, a group of any what we've had anywhere between six and fifteen mm-hmm. uh, black professionals to um, to West Africa, that would probably I would I would probably count that as as my group if there's yeah, if I if I can take credit for it, if you will, I would count that as my greatest accomplishment because 
Um, and so, yeah, that part, what I did over there is connected to the work that I do here in the States, but the act, the actual activity or the, the actual, um, action of taking a group of people who prob who may or may not have ever thought about, um, how to get over there or anything like that. And then setting our feet on that ground where our ancestors were taken and, then getting them to a place where our ancestors were held um, and feeling that emotional and spiritual connection between them and us. Um, that I, when, when I was over there once, they were, I learned to refer to them as the left and us as the taken. And so for, for me to be able to, uh, take a group of, of people to meet the take the, the left behind was uh, it's probably the greatest accomplishment and not, and not just, not just once either several times to be able to repeat it um, is what, is what really the accomplishments is because doing it, doing something once, man, but being able to repeat it would be uh, what I would consider the accomplishment. Michael Jordan statement there. Stop. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just there. I mean, I'm not. I'm not the goat of anything, but <laughs> you might be the goat of mission trips. You don't know that, man. <laughs> that's, 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 hey, don't know that. Give yourself some credit. <laughs> yeah, and and everybody came back alive. Everybody so, did come hey. back alive, even the ones that walked across the canopy. <laughs> we will. We will reserve that for a different conversation <laughs> at a different time. <laughs> I'm not talking about no more canopies. Okay, that's fine. Um. So I, I, I don't want to spill the beans on question three. Right. So I think you got to tell me that I'm okay to ask that question because oh, I, no, I didn't share what your profession is. So maybe you could just answer question three without me asking it by sharing what your, what your profession is and why you chose it and I, your, why you chose your specialty. Sure. I'm a physician by trade. I, I always refer to myself as a, uh, a child of God that happens to practice medicine. Um, so I am that. That's what I do for income, if you will. Um, I ch what I do in, in the field of medicine is practice obstetrics and gynecology. Um, for those that don't have children, that means I birth babies. <laughs> uh, the reason I chose that specialty has... Uh, everything to do with just a fascination of life. So medicine was kind of put in me. I've been saying I was, this, I don't know if this answers uh, your question more deeply than it was intended to, but no, it's I, start, I started being, I started talking to my parents about being a physician when I was five. And um, having supportive parents through my, uh, my entire life, they uh, really, when I say supportive, it was, nah, man, you can't get bad grades because you said you wanted to be a doctor. So this is what you have. I'm going to push you. Both of my parents have said this to me separately and then together. We're going to push you to do your best in school so that you can accomplish the goal that you set. Um, and so being pushed in that direction, obviously you got to pick a field of medicine. And then something one day just started sparking in me about like life and being there at the beginning. And I didn't have any idea what that was and uh, until I realized that's what uh, Cliff Huxtable did. 
So, and I'm specific. I'm specifically saying Cliff Huxtable. Yes. So Cliff Huxtable and Claire Huxtable and their five kids had a huge impact on my view of the black family because it's it was so reflected uh, my family, a two parent household with a bunch of children and surviving in the eighties in uh, in a in a in a society in a what I now realize is a society that did not um, arrange for success for that. And I appreciate the uniqueness of it. But looking at him and knowing what he was doing, like they obviously had several shows where he was doing that, where he was delivering babies. And I was like, that's impressive. That's and that seems to be what where my trigger is, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do that. And it was about age 12 when I realized that. So it's like, okay, well. There it is. So you've known your path for a lot longer than most people even visualize their lives. I mean, you've known your path. Uh, I'd have to say yes to that, honestly. And, um, you know, I appreciate the compliment that Jonas said earlier. Um, But it really was. That's this is my path. And the reason why. So I, I kind of relied on because uh, I'm a I'm a closed circle kind of guy. Uh, your boy said it best: all circle, all circles, no squares. <laughs> and nobody, can, we're not going to let a whole lot of people in that circle. Because yeah. frankly, if you are not, um, if you're not out here helping me get to the goal that I need to get to, I don't want you around me because I don't want you let, holding me back either. Not that something's wrong with you, but if you have a different plan than I do for success, like if your idea of success and my idea of success it doesn't have to be the same goal, right? But if your idea of success is still, you know, hanging out here or doing this one thing, we ain't, we ain't going to be it. Like the reason Jonas and me are boys and why we could get back on it after that break, brief uh, break in middle school is because we still had like mindsets. Yep. The reason I, the reason we got, uh, we got a, there's a third person that uh, we still connect to on a daily, almost a daily basis now, but he's the same way. Like we're all forward thinking, not settled in, in any kind of, uh, in any, in, in lack, we're not settled in lack. We were none of us grew up like balling, but we all saw what success looked like. Yep. And we we knew that, all right, well, this is what we got to do. And if I could chime in for a second, um, Anthony is probably the only person I know that knew what he wanted to do at such a young age and stuck to it and saw that all the way through and executed that plan to uh, as closest to perfection as you could possibly get. Um, I've always admired that about him, the amount of focus that he's had and the support system to go along with it because you can't do it without support. That's it. And somebody to, even if you do kind of weary off the path, Louis, somebody to pull you to the side, not pull you back on it. Like, not, nah, no, you can't do that. He's like, you got to get back on because this yeah. is what you want to do. And that's something that I'm instilling in my kids, especially my oldest, who's about to go into high school. One of the things I tell him on a regular basis is that you have big goals. You can't afford to slack off mm-hmm. because slacking off is not going to get you to where you are. You're saying that you want to go. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, just to keep him focused is one of the things I've always learned from my friend, Anthony, because he says that, you know, he just said it, it's like um, three of us that were all in the same grade and no, no real tight. The thing about that is during that disconnect, you know, I was not a great student. You know, I was a great student, you know, in our early childhood years. And then once I went to public school, I kind of started to slack off. And um, I did not have the best grades coming out of high school. The best years of my high school career was when I linked back up with Anthony, Jason, and my friends from my previous school, because Mm -hmm. that's what got me back on track. I was freshman and sophomore year high school. I specialized in sleeping in class (laughs) and getting C's and D's in classes that I should have got A's and B's in. But once I reconnected back with them, my grades got back up because I realized I'm wasting my time. And I got to get out of here. So let me get my butt back in gear. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, right. It it wasn't going to be like, I didn't know. I didn't know that about you. Oh man, I slacked off terribly. uh, I I didn't realize that that was, that that was uh, part of your journey. I mean, cause you were still, it ain't like you failed any grades. No, no, no. I didn't let it get that bad, but I definitely was uninterested in class. Yeah. But you know. that's that was that's a real thing. Like we stayed focused, yeah, um, focused on the goal, and so I, I like that's the point I was getting to earlier was also that that's what uh, that's Jonas knew where to hang out. Like I was too focused, legit. Like, <laughs> that's very true. I knew where if, to go. If well, you know, if Jonas and Jason weren't on it, I wasn't in it. <laughs> like, yeah, because those were my friends, and you know when we did go to some of those places, we did see some people that I knew why they were not my friends. Yep. Yep. And, you know, and, and, you know, what, what it ends up being, since this is a relatively spiritual conversation is a God thing. Cause uh, God knew what I needed. Um, I was thinking about that actually, when I was doing some adulting earlier today, God did put people around me. He put me around people mm. that, uh, knew that he knew I needed in my life. Not that I needed to be in theirs. I don't know, but he knew that they needed to be in my life and that's for real. So I, 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 I appreciate what Jonas is saying and thank you, man. I'm, um, but frankly, y'all pushed me. If I pushed you great, but y'all pushed me cause y'all kept, y'all kept saying, Ant's going to do it. <laughs> yeah, we were never. Uh, y'all was my y'all was my gas. Yeah. Y'all gassed me up on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> we was, Anthony's one of them people. Like we never, we always knew that Anthony was going to do exactly what he said he was going to do. Period. <laughs> you, this is talking from somebody who didn't figure out what he wanted to do until he was 21, 22. <laughs> I started off a computer science major. I let you know exactly. I don't do nothing with computer science right now. Just to let you know <laughs> that you know I got a friend that knew what he wanted to do at five. Yeah. And he has a friend and didn't figure out what he wanted to do until he was 21, 22. And we're both successful, though. We're both successful at it. So that's that's that's, that's me. That's what's up. Jonas, Next question. Ask your questions. Now, ask your questions. I've asked mine. Okay. you Did you get to all yours? I, I cut some of them off. Oh, okay. The answers okay. kind of came. Because one of those was really good. That last one, I think, is one we should all ask. Oh, okay. But you want me to go ahead and jump into mine? Jump into yours. All right. Here we go. I guess um, I'll start with Jeff because right. um, this first question is, uh, how did you and Anthony meet? Okay. Um, 
he came to New Era Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. Shameless plug where the pastor is, Pastor Clarence Seymour. Dr. Pastor Clarence Seymour. Shameless plug. Um, so he came to church at New Era after the urging of his pastor from Nashville. And he never came. So his pastor from Nashville called my pastor. Um, or my pastor's pastor in Kokomo, Indiana. So this is a strange story. Anyway, um, that pastor in Kokomo called my pastor, said, it's this young man is coming to your church. I know his pastor in Nashville. Look after him when he gets there. And then he comes, um, pastor gives me the assignment, me and my brother, Jason, uh, the assignment to check you out, check him out. We meet him immediately connect click. It was like, you're coming to dinner tonight uh, at my mom's house. He was like, I am. I said, yes, you are. And then my brothers chime in and said the same thing. And so, you know, he came to dinner and he's been coming to dinner pretty much every Sunday ever since. Yep. Um, you know, we, we just clicked. We, there was, we knew that, you know, the spiritual side of things is we knew that we had a um, tangible uh, purpose to be in community and relationship. So there was that, but like, I've never had outside of my brother, someone that's a true confidant that I can call. And I did not learn about accountability in my life until I was 27, mm. 26. How old were we when we met Anthony Shucks? I'm saying 27, um, 26, but it seems it like it's before that. It was 2005. So, so that, I, was 20, yeah. I was 25 years old. Okay. So I was 26. Um, so yeah, so I, I didn't have an accountability person in my life. So, um, when I met Anthony, it was like, yo, this is like your person. I was like, wow, I have a person now. So, and, and he never, uh, it, it's, it's funny that their stories about him are the same as mine as an adult. Um, he's not been inconsistent in this period of time. So now that we've set this high standard for, for Anthony to live up to with this podcast, good luck, bro. Right. <laughs> um, thank, but, uh, thank God that he loves me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, it, it boils down to that. So we met, he'd been coming to our house, literally sitting in my big brother's chair at the dinner table. Cause my big <laughs> brother was out of town for, uh, in the Navy. So uh -huh. when big brother comes in town, he, I didn't know. <laughs> but he see, was, that's how this, you didn't even, they didn't even tell you, huh? They didn't. He comes over him. I wish y'all could see my hand, but he puts his hand over his head like this and said, he pointed Who's this. <laughs> and who's this? He added some other words. But, you know, we were like, it's Anthony. He's like, he's sitting in my seat. So Anthony vacates the seat. And then after spending more time with us, we basically, we adopted Anthony as our brother. Literally, he's the only friend in the family who actually has an adoption certificate. His last name, Sanders. Wait, what? He's got an adoption certificate. Like Get literally, here. we wow. adopted Anthony into our family. I was a grown um, man. And <laughs> right, at 25, 26. <laughs> <laughs> literally adopted into our family. Um, and his mom couldn't have been more pleased that he had somebody that was going to take care of him. Um, and so that I think put her in a lot of ease, but yeah, that was the friendship and that's been what it's been since. So Anthony's my midnight person. I'm his midnight person. It's been like that since we met. Good stuff, man. That's all right. Cause yeah, yeah well, you, man, there's something about a good church family to make 
that can make the call and make mm-hmm. sure that you're going to be straight in a completely new area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I it wasn't churchy. That's what I love about it. Yeah. It's not like yeah. it's not churchy. It's like it's so just genuine and natural. It's not, there's no, I mean, obviously we know the Holy Spirit and God's behind it, but it's like it's so natural. This is where I've right. learned honestly the premises of how I do ministry now is because it's not, there's no, it's no religion behind it, if you will. It's right. literally just living life genuinely and we live life by the same principles. Mm, good stuff, man. Um, still with Jeff with the questions. Um, what's the the hardest part about being a counselor for you? Um, sometimes you can't fix it. Mm. Sometimes talking doesn't fix it. And you have to hear the story anyway. And mm. I'll give you a case in point. I've got a young lady I've worked with just intermittently and she's got a very severe mental illness and she acknowledges that she has it, but there's nothing we can do to fix what she's dealing with. And it's hard for me because we cycle through the same four conversations when we connect. And the hard part for me is that I the only answers that I can give because she and I don't identify with the same spiritual background. The only answers that I can give that would actually fix it would be the spiritual ones Mm. because there's nothing else that could fix this situation. And so that's very hard for me um, when I have a limit to my ethical responsibility to the field to not put my beliefs into play. Um, I can say what works for me, but I can't influence or encourage it. Uh, It has to be their own process. So sometimes you can't fix it. And the only fix, like, I I mean, I'm I'm gonna keep saying spiritual stuff, but um, the only fix is is God and the Holy Spirit and the healing that that can bring. Um, because you know, pills is not, are not fixing this person, uh, talk counseling is not fixing this person, um, developing their skills on how to cope with what they're dealing with. Isn't fixing it. It's only going to be God and the Holy spirit. So that's, that's the hard part for me. Got it. Got it. That's heavy. Um, give me something about marriage and parenthood that you had to deal with that you were totally unprepared for. Um, so we have, I think the hardest part, I got married nine months after I met my wife, met her. I, we didn't even date you are very new. long. Wow. Um, and everybody told me that you're supposed to be a particular brand man in a marriage, a husband does this and a wife does this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was all of that, but that didn't work for us. It didn't work for us. She didn't need me to be that kind of man, that kind of husband for her. And it was tough because I swore on everything that was spiritual, that I was doing everything the way the Bible said to do it. And that was a huge turnoff for her. Very disappointing. Um, She did not like me. 
And it, it was evident. And in so many ways, it was evident. And so what I did not know about marriage was that you could not apply what everyone told you. And even the practical knowledge that the Bible hands you, you couldn't apply it to a situation with broad strokes. Mm. It took intimacy. It took attention to detail. It took knowing your spouse. And I just thought that I could get by on book knowledge, which is what I've done so long in my life. Right. And it didn't work. Um, and then I tried to apply the same things to um, raising our oldest daughter and didn't work. It literally does not work. It requires intimacy, attention to detail and uh, relationship to to be effective at this. So you can have all the right rules and have the best intentions. But if you don't have the the basic things, the basic principle things of being um, intimate, knowledgeable and available to being with you know your family um, and, 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 and I've worked pretty much every day of my marriage. I've been a provider. I've, I've done everything I could to meet all the expectations and bruh, <laughs> I'm just telling yeah. you uh, <laughs> the things that I didn't know that I learned early on, I still am learning today. Mm. So I'll just leave it at that. That was, that I, there's no real answer to that. I don't right. think I even answered your question. I don't did, <laughs> no, you you like did. did you like a politician <laughs> just now. I mean, I think you the, did though. I think basically though. Yeah. I mean, um, I think no one tells us that with marriage, there's a million books and everybody gives you a million words of advice and what worked for them and what didn't work for them. But it don't matter, man. You still like flying a plane while you're building it. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, with your, with your own metaphor, with your own marriage, it's still your own marriage. And you have to figure out what's going to work for your marriage while you're in your marriage. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, like, in, like that's the craziest thing about it is as far as I'm concerned. And uh, the, I got two more questions for you. This one's light. And uh, I don't know if the next one is heavy or not. And then some of these are going to be asked to Anthony, too, for these uh Pretty much all of them, but uh, <laughs> but um, this next one, if you could only listen to one rap album and one R&B album for the rest of your life, what would it be? I can both answer this one. What, who, one, who, two, three, who, four, sings, fifth. who sings that album? <laughs> that would be by the, the, the I don't know, man. Um, that was Rick James. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> like, no, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I came close. Um, I'm still a huge fan of Tupac's All Eyes on Me. Okay. Still is okay. a still's a writer for me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right from the jump. You know. And for me, I I never really paid as much attention to lyrics as I did to um, to the artists' um, beats and what they were the story they were telling. So Tupac yeah. was an artist in uh, in in storytelling. I mean, he was magnificent. So All Eyes on Me seemed like it painted the perfect picture, just like that song says. Yes, um, so okay. yeah, that that is the um, hip hop album and um man i listened to r&b more than i listened to hip-hop if that's believable oh it's absolutely believable and man what is the album that 
what is the album that speaks to my my childhood man i'm it's a little old but i think i have to go with um either michael jackson off the wall or um the thriller album and and the reason i'm going back to those ones because Every time I listen to those songs, mm-hmm. it's still brand new to you. It's still brand new. Like I was trying to, I was like, because my favorite artist, my, my favorite group, um, R&B group was Boys to Men when I was in high school. But man, every time I listen to Mike, Mike gets me going. Like, it's like, you know, that, that I was just listening mm-hmm. to Human Nature the other day. And then I listened to the SU, SWV remix of it. And I was like, yeah. man, I don't care what nobody says. That's one of the tightest beats. <laughs> I'm like, I love it. That's one of the tightest beats out there. And then what he's talking about through the whole thing, I'm like, yeah, I love human nature. That's that, that album. Yeah. The, the whole thriller album is, is killer to me. I love these, are it. Res- these are respectable answers. That's so great. I, I, need I, know I, who I'm, I need to know who I'm doing, who I'm continuing a podcast with. <laughs> so as a DJ, I, I need to know these. Sh- <laughs> I don't look, look y'all, they have on, matching shirts although in different colors i don't have that shirt so i know this is an interview mm-hmm. it's not an interview <laughs> club and i'm not yet are you sure oh my bad but anyway yeah those good answers man good answers. i'm with that uh last yeah. question well actually i'll ask you guys that question i'll jump into anthony's question then i'll ask you guys that question together but Anthony, right. you could go ahead and jump into that answer i mean that question if you would like because that's your oh yeah i'm already ready yeah. One rap, one rap, I'll repeat it for the people All listening. Right. One rap album and one R&B album that you can listen, that you have to listen to for the rest of your life. If you can only listen to one in each category. Red, ready to die. I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> I knew that. And uh, my R&B album would be Songs in the Key of Life by Stevie Wonder. I almost knew that too. I, I figured one of y'all was going to say that. That's one of them. That's, that's just a one good one. That's a good one. I'll yeah. tell you what, if we switch houses... For the rest of our lives, I'm okay with listening to what you listen to. I'm sure you'll be good listening to what I listen to if we have to switch houses. It's a reality. That's a reality. Good choices. Good stuff. Good stuff. Only you don't even have to go into explaining why. For the- <laughs> so Jonas, don't jump to, to don't jump. Don't jump, man. You gotta answer the question, man. Now I gotta know. What, me? Yeah, I got too many question. answers. Answer that's that why question. I asked y'all. Y'all ain't had to answer y'all questions. Why we gotta get why I gotta <laughs> that's answer not my true. question? That's that's not true. Y'all didn't have to know. I was trying to hurry up and move on before I even got (laughs) asked. You knew it was coming. (laughs) Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this for R and B, and I'm gonna say uh, Carl Thomas emotional Mm -hmm. (laughs) because sometimes I think that we go straight back to like a Michael Jackson or Stephen. I knew those answers were coming, Mm -hmm. but when I talk about classic R&B albums. When I talk about classic R&B albums and I bring up Carl Thomas Emotional, everybody's like, oh man, because everybody, that, that that is a classic R&B album. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, just don't know, I just don't know if I could listen to it every day for the rest of my I life. I couldn't. I couldn't. It's got some upbeat stuff. It's got a ton of slow stuff. Yeah. And if I'm listening to it for the rest of my life, I'm listening to it with my wife and I think I'm going to cover all the bases I need. There you go. I'm with that. Now, there you go. Put it like that. Way to, way to think through it. Way to think through it. Clutch. <laughs> now, rap. That's tough, man. For me. For one album. Because I love so many. 
but it's probably going to be Red Man Muddy Waters. Mm-hmm. I can see it. Makes sense. Because the the just the, the way he raps, you know, the, the aggressive tone of his raps and then like the lyrics that he's rapping in, the way he's flipping words and the comedy aspect of Red Man is what puts him high up ranking for me. And so the album is hilarious and it's flipping with the lyrics. The beats is great. I'm with, uh, I'll take Red Man Muddy Waters. That's dope. To be, okay. plus I like to be outside the box of what other people normally pick. Excellent choices. So there's that. Well, my screen, wonderful. My screen went to sleep on my questions. Okay, there we go. Uh, <laughs> Anthony, hardest part about your job? Um, this is going to kind of uh, double what Jeff said. It's coming to a problem that can't be fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things about being um, an obstetrician is the highs are really high and the lows are as low as you can get. Um, to deal with a mother that, um, you know, may or may not have been expecting this pregnancy and then, but they've grasped onto it and have accepted it. And then, um, to lose, to lose it. That's, that's the toughest part. Um, it just, it, it's a reminder of how fragile life is on a regular basis and, uh, so yeah, that, if I'm going to have to answer the question, mm. that that would be the way I would answer it. The lows of obstetrics, right? I think that I really wanted to ask you that question. I was like, okay, this would be a good question for Jeff too, mm-hmm. because I remember one time you texted and was like, "Man, just delivered a crack baby." Yeah, and I think that people don't realize all of the complications that come with childbirth, mm-hmm. and they just say, you know, they hear you say, "Yeah, I'm a doctor, I'm OBGYN," and oh wow, you deliver babies. That's a wow, what a wonderful profession, and they don't think about everything that comes with that yeah and it's it's not even their fault either because most of the time the vast majority of the time um i'll go in and you know i get all i get a lot of thank yous but i really didn't i really didn't do anything you know what i mean in my in my in my view i really didn't do anything but made sure that the baby didn't didn't hit the floor (laughs) i mean that's a lot (laughs) so i and i think it I dig it, but that's, but that's all I see. I, I, and, um, I enjoy it every day. Mm-hmm. I enjoy every delivery. Um, and so I don't want to take it. I don't take it for granted or think, or want to be dismissive because the experience of being there when life begins is an amazing thing. But when that, when them lows come, when that, when the mom has had a difficult birth or, yeah. um, like I was saying earlier, loses a child early on, um, it's just really, it's a really big challenge. Next question, next session, we'll get out of it. Um, give me something that you miss most about college. The freedom. <laughs> college was college was uh, difficult because of the course load I took, but the ability to um, wake up at a at whatever time I needed to to get to school to get to class, be done no later than two o'clock. And they had the rest of my day to me. And then to, uh, so it's kind of a, it's, it's a, these two things go together because that freedom of my schedule and then the freedom to just be with, uh, with my college friends, man, mm-hmm. un, un, unmatched. 
Yeah. All right. I wanted, I wanted to ask you that question because we're both HBCU graduates. Yeah. So yeah, be, you, you already know what it's like college experience. You already know what it's like being on the yard yeah, in the South like, with a bunch of people that look like you. Man, there's no there's no experience like it. It is not. And no. I miss it. And then Barely. just <laughs> like literally, literally walking out of the uh out of my science class, not going back to my dorm room, just going straight to the yard, kicking it with my with my boys, my friends, my frat brothers, you know. That's a that's an unmatched experience. I did just life the way it is now. This my schedule, my day to day is structured, very, very structured. Yeah. Um, and it's just it is definitely not the same. <laughs> the part of adulting they don't tell you about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, give me something about marriage and parenthood that you were totally unprepared for. Um, uh, from a marriage standpoint, it's um, how much we um, had to adjust to. In the sense that um, my wife and I, I got almost a complete opposite story from from Jeff. Me and my wife met when we were in college. We dated for uh, five years before we got engaged and then another year of being engaged before we got married. Um, So I had I thought I and that was intentional. Uh, One, I wanted to make sure that I was able to provide for my family because, again, the way that we we thought marriage had to be structured, but then two, I wanted to know this woman, right? Like I figured if I'm going to be spending the rest of my life with her, I need to know her as best as I can know her. So I like legit, and I tell her this all the time. I studied her, I studied her habits, I studied the things she likes, I studied the things she doesn't like, I studied why she does things this way and does things that way, um, and so I entered that marriage thinking my marriage thinking that. I had knew what to expect. I had not lived with this woman mm. until I lived with this woman. <laughs> so you guys didn't move in with each other until marriage. Exactly right. Same for us. Same for us. Wow. For a lot of for wow. a lot of different for a lot of different reasons. The way our yeah, our educational the way our educational path was was going. The way our our career paths were headed. Uh, my spirituality also played a role in that it was just like yeah you know these are these are things that uh us moving in together happened on uh september 30th 2006 wow like that's the that's when we lived together and just okay you know get get through the honeymoon get back to get back home it's like okay we still in the honeymoon phase cool then the honeymoon phase stopped mm. yeah it's like okay, we live together. Like, like yeah. okay, oh, okay, we really doing this? Yeah, gotcha. uh, so, so biggest, Like legit. Like okay, all right. So we can't be in the same bat in the bathroom at the same time all the time. Okay, <laughs> all right, cool. Okay, yeah, the little so cute we, stuff you guys do when you guys like you know right. live separately and right. yeah, got it. So mm-hmm. oh, oh, see, oh, see, you don't want to eat at the same time every. Oh, you really don't know what you wanted to eat. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Okay. Uh, all right. So, all right, all right. <laughs> so, okay. so that adjustment to, uh, to that, and there's like y'all were saying earlier, there's nothing that can prepare you for that. You just got to do it. And then, um, as far as the, the biggest thing is from raising kids that I did, wouldn't have expected was how much of, uh, 
both my personality and my wife's personalities actually flourish. Um, people always say that your kids are going to be reflections of you, but you sort of expect, well, I don't know if everybody does this, but I sort of expected more of, more of me to come out <laughs> than my wife and that is not the case. And either any of my children, my two daughters or my son, they, uh, are very individualized and a, and a, and a distinct blend of our personalities and their yeah. own. So I, that's the, um, that was the biggest thing that's probably, uh, for, from a parenting perspective. That's good stuff, man. I mean, just let me take a pause to say you guys are giving some excellent answers. One of the things that, um, when Jeff sent us his questions, he was like, Oh yeah. And you guys got to answer the questions. I'm sitting there thinking like, um, I don't think that either one of any of these three men here are the type to be ducking a question. No. So like, I, I wasn't worried about anybody saying, Oh man, I can't answer that. No, if that's the case, then we ain't doing no pot. <laughs> <laughs> so no one has ran from a question. No, everybody has given some tremendous answers. I agree to all of these questions, man. So I ain't want to, you know, uh, continue without putting that part out there. And, um, this next question is for both of y'all. This is the last one on my list, but it's the same for both of you. And uh, I'll let you argue amongst yourselves um, <laughs> as far as who wants to go first. How do you? Know, how did you know you were called to preach? I'll answer that question because I actually didn't until I did. So, <laughs> and that's the best way I can answer it. Um, so I, my first trip to Africa was through the church that you and I went to, Jonas, um, yep. through Maine Baptist. I went to uh, Zimbabwe and I came back and our pastor at the time, Desel McGill, he looked at me and said, you got the mark. And I had no idea what that meant. And he was like, wait, my brother? What? Legit. I'm Anthony. That's not, well, I'm not Mark. I <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. But what was interesting is my grandfather is a preacher. My oldest brother mark is a preacher my second brother nate is a preacher um so it's it's in the bloodline if you will right but for me i was thinking that i actually wasn't meant to do that i didn't realize that um i i considered remember i said earlier that i consider myself a child of god who happens to practice medicine yeah i was going to be a person who practiced medicine that happened to be a child of god so mm-hmm. I didn't see it as a, something that I could do because all I knew from preachers was if you're a preacher, then you're a pastor. And if you're a pastor, then that's all you do. Right. Um, and that that just obviously is not the case. So it wasn't until. Um, so he had been saying that actually prior to going to Zimbabwe. And then when I went to Zimbabwe is when I had the uh, the epiphany. And I, the reason I knew that that was that was right was because it, it wouldn't let go. So mm-hmm. I, was, I was there and I was writing stuff down just about God kept giving me this idea about taking, um, taking people to Africa to do mission work. And at the same time, he was like, and spread the gospel. And I was like, well, well yeah, that's what I'll be doing through my mission work. He was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> More than that. <laughs> your, work, your work is your work, there's no doubt. But there's a... There's a uh, uh, a, a message that you need to say with your mouth. So, you, you know, you can relay a message verbally or non-verbally, right? And there was a message that I had to relay with my mouth. So the fact that I, 
like the night that he said it, it was maybe like the Thursday before we were coming back. Well, I was just writing stuff down in my in my journal in Zimbabwe, and he was just like, and preach. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, oh. And then, you know, it's just done, it's just done it from there. And the fact that it, the fact that it um it wouldn't let me go is the reason why I knew that it just like just like this whole doctoring thing. Yep. The fact that it wouldn't let me go was the reason I knew that it was right. Good stuff. Your turn, Jeff. Mine's not as fun as his. <laughs> <laughs> so I was six years old when I got baptized. I was maybe almost seven. And then when I was seven years old, I knew I was going to be called to be a preacher. Um, I mean, that's, that's the simple answer. So um, I spent probably the first 12 years of my life. No, that's way too long. I spent from the time I was uh, six to the time I turned maybe 15, 16, all of that time, I spent all of my time really geared towards getting ready to do that. Um, and then for whatever reason, I decided that I wanted to see what life was like before I did it. So I, um, decided that I was going to be a little bit of a, little bit of a rebel. If you can call a person that really doesn't break rules rebel, um, cause I chose not to really overtly break rules cause I didn't like the consequences. Um, but I was intrigued by making sure I wasn't missing out on being in the clubs and all of that stuff. So, um, it took me until I was just before I got married to actually fully accept my call and start preparing for it. But I was seven years old. I looked at my godfather. I looked at all the ministers that I was around and I just knew that's what I wanted to do. And so I, I've been uh, a minister ever since. Now, if I change the question up to well, how did I know I was going to be a pastor? Actually, when that happened, I knew I was going to be a pastor probably about the same time as a kid. But then I quit on that idea. And I said, there's absolutely no way I want to deal with people in that way. Um, and I'm a sensitive person as it is. My feelings get hurt easily. And all I had heard about pastors was how much you're going to get your feelings hurt and how much your heart's going to be breaking. And I was like, well, I've done enough of that in my life. I don't need to do any more of getting my feelings hurt by people who really supposed to care about me. I'm good. So I said, nah, uh, to the pastoring, but, um, I would say I preached a sermon. I acknowledged that I was going to be a pastor kind of lightly, but then I preached a sermon in July of 2016 and I broke down after preaching that sermon. Um, and Anthony and one of our other brothers, um, uh, Jason, kind of like hold me up after the sermon. There's like, what's wrong with you? I was like, this is it. Like, this is the last time I'm going to do this like this. Like, I'm not going to be a minister on this level very much longer. I can feel it coming. And it was not, it was literally a year later when I got a call to be a pastor here in Bakersfield. So simply just had that moment after a sermon where I literally heard God say, I'm letting you go from this place. I'm about to take you somewhere else. 
Mm. See, I've never heard it explained before. So that's why I wanted. I was like, well, I got two opportunities right here. So <laughs> I was like, I yeah, just wanted you, to know. And you got two terrible examples of what they are. Man, <laughs> one, at least one. At least one. Because nah. this, nope, I, you said everybody right. else seemingly says, God told me. I, that is not my experience, sir. No, man. <laughs> not at all. God didn't tell me nothing. He told I, you something. He told I, you something, and I ran. <laughs> I tripped in it. I was like, what? Mm-mm. Okay, at seven years old, you kind of say, okay, but I thought I was because I liked um, preachers. Um, so at seven years old, I could acknowledge that I was called, but the pastor, I'm, no. Just preached a sermon, and God was literally saying, this is what you'll do from now on. No. Okay. Gotcha. And there you have it. If they, if the people who are listening don't know us now, they know us. Like mm-hmm. they, they just ain't gonna know us. I mean, that's what I mean. <laughs> this is true. But Jonas, you have to ask yourself the same question about marriage. No, I mean, unless you're a preacher that we and we don't know. I'm uh, right. Okay. <laughs> so about marriage and, and parenting. Um what did you not know? Oh, that question. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, look, I got to go back and reread it. Look, hold, hold up. Was it, was it, what was it? Something about marriage and parenthood that you were totally unprepared for. Um, as far as marriage, it was similar to Anthony's answer, except that my wife and I knew each other. It's funny because I met her when she was a freshman at a, I went to Jackson State. And uh, my sophomore year was her freshman year at the private black school that's 10, 15 minutes away from Jackson State um, called Tougaloo College. Mm. And my friends used to go over there because it was just simply a numbers game. And what I mean by that is the hounds that we were, someone told us that the ratio over there was 17 women to every one man. Mm -hmm as far as the student population. Mm-hmm. So we said, oh, that's great odds. Let's go over there and see what's going on. Hounds. <laughs> Absolute hounds. So we, you know, I've been over there a couple of times, you know, you hear about you go over there and hang out and stuff because they would have parties and whatnot. But that's when we really started going like and hanging out. So we would go over there and just hang out in the dorm of the girls' lobby. And her crew of friends and my crew of friends would hang out all the time. But, uh, so I knew her then. We didn't reconnect until way later. I want to say like 07 or 08. And um, just actually just start talking like online, like Yahoo, I am messenger, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And just kind of really just started hanging out. She was working at Jackson State. And at the time, I had just graduated from Jackson State. And I was the music director at the station on campus. So, you know, that that turned into us hanging out, becoming a couple, moving in together. We moved in together before we got married. So that's the difference, mm-hmm. you know, with that. And even though we live together, it's similar with, okay, I'm a husband now. We aren't always going to get along, mm-hmm. but we got to figure out a way to at least respect each other enough and how we feel about each other to make this work you know it's not just as simple as oh man we breaking up you know like it's just a boyfriend girlfriend relationship it's no we in this for the long haul her parents are together still they are um, her father's a pastor 
Um, and I come from a single parent household. So I've always wanted to be married with children and create mm. a stable foundation for my kids and for them to have that example of a, of like an in home, uh, type of, a example mm-hmm. of how this, of one, at least one way that this can work, mm-hmm. you know, right there in front of their faces. So it's a matter of just not giving up and learning how to love despite of your differences and let your differences be, you know, bring you together. I was not prepared. You know, you do some, most people just paint this picture as of marriage as just this happy thing. You know, people say, Oh man, you never go to bed angry. I beg to differ. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I was prepared for that, you know, of just having to work things out for real work mm-hmm. things out and put your pride aside and just, you know, figure out whatever it is that you did wrong and just figure out how to make it right. Now, as far as raising kids, being a parent, I wasn't prepared for none of that. Cause I didn't grow up. <laughs> I went, cause I didn't grow up with my father. So as far as just knowing how to parent as a dad, like as a true dad, you know, I, I had some TV examples and my friends got dads. So I just pulled a little bit from everywhere, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, uh, but just really just handling problems, man, I'm winging it. <laughs> uh, look, man. We are all winging. I was about I'm to doing, say. And I'm doing okay. I think I'm doing okay. But, uh, when if, I'm, plus, not to mention, I chose to be a father, mm-hmm. meaning I wasn't, my, my oldest son, I became his father when he was two. I've been in his life since he was one. So you get what I'm saying is that, mm-hmm. you know, I chose, like, you know what, I'm going to do this. I made a conscious decision to be like, you know what, I'm in it. Mm-hmm. And I ain't going nowhere. So whatever comes along with that, we just going to wing this thing on out. I made some mistakes. I've gotten some stuff right. And you know, but no, I wasn't prepared for none of it. I was just, but I was ready to be unprepared. If that makes sense. All of the sense. And I'm going to tell you what, if anybody out here is listening and saying to themselves, well, I'm not winging it. You're a liar. You are a liar. That's another thing. <laughs> what, what did I say earlier? You're building a plane as you're flying it. That's, That's the it. same thing with parenthood. Yeah. Absolutely. Same thing. You ain't never, I had never had a 12 and a half year old daughter. I'm figuring it out what to do with her. Okay. <laughs> I am a marriage and family therapist. <laughs> I am actually trained in how to know what to do. <laughs> and everything I tell people, I'm like, dang, I ain't doing that myself. There's always something mm. that comes up every week that tells me, bro, you got to do better. You can't be out here telling these people how to do life and you ain't doing it. Right. I dare you, Jeff. I dare you to try to apply your marriage and family counseling to Janelle. <laughs> Bruh, it's not happening. It's not, listen, I give I give all my brothers and sisters support in any way they can when they call me about how do I deal with this emotion? I give them the, the best book knowledge I can. Let me try that stuff at home. <laughs> book knowledge. Man, it's like after you give all like, that book knowledge you, at the very end, not, it's like, or you could just wing it. You're not at work right now, daddy. <laughs> you're not at work. You're not at work right now. That's all I get. Uh, and golly, man. I can't. Just be your dad? Dang. <laughs> That's what she wants. Winging it. 
Right. I I, want, I just want to have a Cliff and, and Rudy ex, um, episode in our <laughs> lives where I get this come into your room and say, hey, you know, what you did was really terrible. But, hey, it's going to be all right next time. I mean, that's right. what I want to do. Yeah. Nope. Not not these the studio applause and a hug and then roll yeah. credits. Roll credits. That ain't happening over here. But yeah, man, I think uh, this has been a fantastic inaugural episode, man. Yes, sir. I think everyone yeah. listening is going to know exactly who we are. Yeah, so and we exactly. can move forward, and we have uh, a myriad of topics. You know, we have a plethora mm-hmm. and a wide variety of topics that we are going to be tackling along this uh, podcast journey. And I'm I'm real comfortable with the people that will be uh, going down this journey with. I think this is going to be fantastic. I think we're building on something that's going to be monumental. If I didn't feel that way, I wouldn't say it. There it is. So, you know, there ain't like is. I care about y'all feelings or nothing. Or, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm saying it because I'm saying it. I ain't saying it just be, just to be nice. I think the you know, conversations are going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. I'm most excited about the fact that we get to take what people know about us now and and, and apply it to all of these lessons and right. that we're going to go through uh, together and all the subjects that we're going to talk about. It's going to be awesome. Uh, social media is coming. Email address is coming. We'll be fleecing people for uh, topics that maybe you want to tackle, or maybe if we have a question that we want you to answer, we'll look for some email responses to that so we can answer some of those questions throughout our subject matter uh, 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 podcast or whatever have you. So, man, we're looking forward to all of this. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm doing this with y'all. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad you're good. I'm glad too, man. This is this is going to be real good. I look forward to the conversations. This was really important, y'all. We're we're just going to be having conversations and uh, really getting each other through this thing called life. Um, I am very fortunate to be in the middle between these two, knowing one on the almost forty year end and the other on the almost twenty year end. It's uh, it's an amazing uh, experience that um, I think getting us three black successful um not statistical black men <laughs> or maybe we are we'll talk about that later i, I think we are yeah <laughs> but just three black men living life doing life together and having these conversations on on uh are, are going to be powerful i think it's going to be powerful and we're glad you can join us thank y'all three black men trying to figure it out there it is. Winging it. <laughs> we're winging it. That's what we're going to leave y'all with. And we'll see y'all in the next one. Look, uh, what, what, what do they be doing? Uh, like it, subscribe it, rate it. <laughs> share it. Share it. Share it. Yeah, most importantly, share it. Most important. <laughs> Thank y'all.